You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 111. And today we're going to talk about how you can create your eight-figure growth strategy right now. So stay tuned. I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another Monday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Super stoked to be hanging out with you here for another day. Now, before I jump into today's episode, I just want to share some stats with you that I was reading just a couple of weeks ago from a report I was reading that was compiled by Todd Herman, and he was talking about the stats that move the needles in your business. And he was breaking down some statistics of how people were growing their business, and he shared that there was one stat that seemed to impact a bunch above all of the other statistics that he'd found out. Things like business growth was 23% higher than without this thing. That business confidence was 34% higher than without this thing. That the quality of your network was 135% higher from doing this thing over what other business owners don't do. And that one stat that moved the needle into the positive so much was event attendance. And I'm a big believer and a big uh, proporter of getting yourself into the rooms of amazing conferences because it's not just about what you learn when you're there. It's about the, the quality of the people that you surround yourself, the quality of the people that you're talking to that take your thinking higher. There's just so many amazing reasons to attend events, but even these statistics that Todd shared surprised me. But it was really great to read these because I'm sitting in the US at the moment recording this episode, and I've just finished up spending two days at the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Fit conference. I was going to say festival. It wasn't a festival Con- uh, conference. And it was amazing. The The speakers in the room, I learned so much from the people that were in the room. Um, the, I spent a lot of time with the event organizer and a big shout out to Joe Pardo. We had such a great time. And, you know, share. I want to share these stats with you because if you've got an opportunity or when you get the opportunity to hang out in a room with people to learn definitely do it. It really does move the needle on your business. I know not only did I learn so much in the room and have amazing conversations, but it pushed my thinking. There was things that I made happen in the room. There was joint ventures that are already, you know, conversations that have already begun that when I get back to Australia, I'll be continuing those conversations. So, Yeah. I mean, we're in September. There's still a bit of time before December. Have a look. What can you attend or what events can you attend before the end of the year to move the needle on your business? I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. 
But let's jump into today's episode. And today I'm welcoming Johan Nagira into the Thought Leaders Business Lab. This is an amazing conversation. Johan is an incredible, incredible business owner. He's a, an amazing person who also runs brilliant events, uh, business authorities events, and uh, totally understands the need and the importance of getting yourself in the right room. But Johan has spent his entire career solving problems and fixing businesses and discovered the power of systemization and leverage very early on in his career. And that's what we talk about today. He's had um, quite a few businesses. He talks about his very first e-commerce business and what he learned from that business that's a allowed him to grow not only his businesses moving forward, but his clients as well. Uh, One of his latest businesses has reached a valuation of eight figures in just two and a half years. Now, his clients range from top tier banks to private business owners, and they all have one thing in common. All of them have profited significantly from Johan's expertise, and he shares a lot of insights in this episode. So let's just jump straight in and welcome Johan Nagira into the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Johan. It's so great to have you joining me here today. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I know that this is going to be an amazing interview and we haven't even started talking about what we're going to talk about and I can't wait to hear what comes out. Let's start with what it is that you do now and the kind of businesses that you serve. For sure. So what I do now, I currently run three companies. The first is a digital agency. The second one is a software development company. And the third is a business education company. So when people say, how the hell do you run three companies when I struggle to run one? It's because I have a team. So you ask me, the, the majority of my time is spent in business authorities, which we'll talk about a bit later. And about one fifth of my time is in building Interactive, which is a software company that I run. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Let's dive back to your first business, which I believe was an e-commerce business. Yes. I'd love you to share how you got into that. How did you decide to open an e-commerce business and what was it? Because like, obviously this is the start of an amazing journey. Yeah, for sure. So it was in two, around 2004. I was doing my PhD at Melbourne University in secondary biofuels and climate change and loved what I was doing, except One day, about a year in, I asked my supervisor, hey, how much money do you make? This is at 11 o'clock at night. He'd come in to see me working in the labs. I'd been working 16 hours a day. Now, to paint a picture for you, I'm I'm standing there in my lab coat. I'm watching water go through soil layers and recording the timestamps of how long it takes to go through the soil and doing a whole heap of measurements. Wow, super exciting stuff. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) That's where it all started. And I said, hey, how much money do you make? Because he said, you know, 10 years you'll be at my level. I was like, damn, that's awesome. And when he told me, he said he was making, let's say, not that much. I was, it blew my mind because I was like, wow, I'm spending my whole life, you know, in science and he's at the top of the the food chain and he's not even making that amount of money or that much money. So my brain went into overdrive going and I couldn't sleep. So this is 2004 and I did what everybody used to do around that time was make money online. Went to Uh Google and typed that in, found a product and then I went, oh cool. I started playing with this product and then soon I realized, oh, I can actually make more money selling that product than using it. So I messaged the guy, I said, hey, can I sell this? And he goes, yes, go for it. So I started selling this all day. I 
put it up on eBay, and then on eBay it started selling 10, 20 items a day. I was like, oh wow, that's easy money. And soon I learned the power of systems and leverage because I was leveraging the platform, systemization. I was spending about four hours a week in you know selling this product. And then I decided, oh wow, I'm making more money than I realized I was making more money than the bosses. So built six more of those stores and that's how the eBay journey started. That's so cool. That's funny because I had an interview go live just today where I was interviewed on someone else's podcast and I had a similar story where my original business was a dance studio and he said, you know, how'd you get into it? And I said, it's funny. Someone offered me a job. I hadn't even thought about, you know, teaching at that point. She offered me a job and said, uh, and I said, yeah, sure. How much is that going to pay? And she's like nine bucks an hour. And I'm like, Nine bucks an hour? Are you serious? Uh, so, so I've got a similar story. I never took the $9 an hour and I opened my own dance studio. <laughs> so it's funny how these sliding doors moments where we can have an opportunity or what we feel like is an opportunity in front of us, that when we turn away from that, it can turn into something else. But in actual fact, the real opportunity. Exactly. Love that. So okay. I'd love to know, did you finish your degree? Uh, one month before finishing, I gave up. <laughs> One month before? No. <laughs> we are talking close to 11 years in the field. I, I was like, yep, sorry, this is not for me. I can't do it. Wow. Um, yeah, so... One month before, quit. Australia lost a scientist, but gained a lot more, I hope, to show. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely have. So you have worked since then with a lot of businesses. When I read this, I was just so surprised in such an awesome way. Increased the bottom line of over 1,000 clients over 40 industries. That's pretty impressive numbers and pretty in impressive results. I'd love for you to take us on the journey of what is it that's your genius zone that has helped you to do that? For sure. My genius zone is systemization. So marketing, so client, client attraction, systemizing it, and then putting it into a system where it's leveraged what they do. I'll give you an example. We're working with a client right now. They're a one point something billion dollar company, and we're helping them build their pipeline from start to finish. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are in a space where they... They're pretty dominant force, but they're, they're making the money through, not through fluke, but because there's not that much competition. All of their competition does not even marketing 101. Mm -hmm. And this is actually the state of businesses out there. You know, most people are trying to play in the $5,000, $10,000 a month business range where they're doing consulting and things, but you don't realize that even the big guys, they, they are the big guys, but they don't have the systems that we have access to at this point in time. As simple as automation. They don't have that. It's, it's only come about in the last, let's say, five to 10 years. But because these companies have existed for 40, 50 years, they've never, they've never had to take that on. They've just done business as usual. And so when we can fix these things up for them. So I'll give you a simple example. Finding their target market on the different platforms or even doing direct mail. We do a lot of direct mail. A lot of people are just rushed on Facebook. So we do the opposite of what everybody else does. Everybody mm. on Facebook will do direct mail. We'll outcompete them where they're not aware of. So client attraction, getting them from Facebook, getting them from direct mail to their landing pages, to their squeeze pages, into their system. This is a billion-dollar company I'm talking about. Yeah. And every person who's been in the internet marketing industry knows how this works, yet it's not being utilized in the bigger guys. Lead generation, we've got billboards, billboard advertising. Now, who would you talk to that's doing billboard ads? We're doing billboard ads and driving them through to webinars and things like that. 
And so that's the lead generation that I'm talking about. And then systemization, all the client nurture, all the, the handing out of leads to the sales force before they have no, they have no systems. Now we have systems in place. We take their top salespeople, we replicate them. And, you know, this, this is something that, again, is not done in the bigger companies. They've got a range of different salespeople. But when you take the top guys and you replicate their processes of how they convert the high sales, then we can upgrade the entire sales force. So now they're making more sales faster at higher prices. What I love about that story or what I certainly heard between the lines is that there's so many of us that are making assumptions on how a big business runs and you've just gone in and gone, well, hang on a minute. Basic things that our $10,000 a month businesses (laughs) are doing are not being utilized by the $1 billion companies, yet that's just gone under the radar of anyone that could potentially help them. Exactly. Love that. (laughs) So over 40 industries, is there some sort of overarching, like everyone's kind of got the same problems? You know, over 40 industries, there's lots of different businesses. I've certainly always been of the belief that the back end of a business, it doesn't matter what business it is, it's similar. But I'd love to see if you've got, you know, the same thoughts on that. So with that, by, by going through all these businesses, now, just to put, put into context, my digital agency, we built over a 1,000 websites last year. We built more than 350 mobile apps. We have a lot of contact hours with a lot of people. And mm-hmm. that's just last year, you know, not taking into account all the other years. So through that, we started to see different patterns, and patterns are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, from, from that, I met one of my mentors, and he said, hey, Johan, this second company that we have here, he goes, I want to build it with you and I want to build it to $100 million. So to me, in my mind, $100 million, I could not fathom what $100 million looked like. I cannot picture my bank account with $100 million in there. So that's my mindset issues, right? Mm-hmm. So in four years, we built that company and it's now up to 20 mil. Mm-hmm. And in the next three years, it'll hit $100 million. And so... And it was the easiest company that I ever built. We built that because we had the end in mind. The end was $100 million. So uh-huh. every decision that we made, every joint venture that we did, every merger and acquisition that we created led us down to that thing. So you asked me, is there patterns in those 40 industries, across the 40 industries? That led then to business authorities being born. <laughs> and the pattern is, first thing, is your mindset. Now, if you go back four or five years ago, and if, I, if somebody tried to talk to me about mindset, I'd be like, come on, man, I don't have time for this. Just you know, show me the strategy, show me the systems. I want, you know, show me the sales scripts. That's how I want to do things. But realizing that mindset was the first step because without having your mind expanded to what the possibilities are, you don't know which direction you want to go into. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. You're preaching to the converted here. I think that mindset... You know, I've heard people say, you know, it's it's 80% systems and 20% mindset. I mean, one of my mentors said it's not about mindset at all. I'm, I'm going to turn on its head and I think it's 80% mindset and 20% systems because if you haven't got the mindset to build system or to be able to see where it is you're going, then you're just not going to get there. And, you know, I can't fathom 100 million. So I'm there where you were because, you know, I... I remember going back 10 years ago, I wanted to sell one of our businesses and get something else. And my husband at the time was like, why would you want to risk everything that we've worked for to get? I went, because there is no way we can take this business to 10 million the way it is. I'd rather move it on while it's, you know, at the peak of its curve and start something else. And well, 
and most people know where that ended. I'm not married to that person anymore because he couldn't get his mind to even 10 million at that time. So yeah. it's definitely about the mindset. Exactly. And yeah. another thing with mindset is most business owners, this is where they, they screw up because they build their business as their primary. Uh-huh. The way we teach to do things is build your ideal life. So between mm -hmm. me and my wife, we have five businesses. Mm -hmm. now, you know, when we tell people that, they're like, Jesus, you guys are either way too greedy or, you know, you, how much money is actually going to be uh, enough for you? I go, it's not about money. Having a business is about having people employed, having happy families, which then grows up amazing children who then turn into the leaders of the future. So that's, yeah. that's how I see building a business. The more people we can employ, the greater impact we have. Now, we build our businesses to suit our lifestyle. Huge, huge, huge difference. Now, when I met my wife, you know, she'd come to my, she'd come to my house at 12 in the afternoon and go, hey, do you want to go to a picnic? I'm like, a picnic? It's 12 o'clock. What's wrong with you? You have to work. <laughs> she goes, no, you know, there's nobody on the roads. Let's just go have some fun. And, you know, we, she had her business systemized and everything was working for her. I never understood what that meant. So by learning that skill set and having, you know, a business where it supports your lifestyle, then you have your ideal life because now you can do whatever you want. And the businesses that you build support that lifestyle and add to it. I think this is a really important piece that so many people miss. And I know this is how you and I originally connected was this exact conversation because, you know, back in the day, I asked myself the question, what do I need to do to get out of corporate? which was so not the right question to ask because that's when I opened my first business, which was the dance studio. The, the question that I should have asked myself is, what do I need to do to give me the life that I want? The answer to that would have been spend more time with my children, which completely is the opposite of owning a dance studio and working six hours after school and never seeing them, which is also why I teach life by design first, then business by design, that you have to start off... I know, so good, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Life by design, I like that. Yeah, totally. So once you've gotten clarity around what it is that you want your life to look like, what are some of the systems that we need to look at to set up in our business so that we can create this business that supports our ideal life? For sure. So before we get to systems, there's a couple more steps that are missing. Excellent. One is we've now identified the ideal life. Then mm -hmm. the second step is identifying who we serve. You see, there's, there's, if you just look at a map of a city and picture it filled with people, how many people are there? You could serve all of them. And most of the times when we say, hey, who do you serve? People say, anybody with a heartbeat. I'm like, <laughs> everyone. I can help everyone. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's not the type of, that's not the way to do things. You see, there's different types of people throughout. There's people who will pay you, as we said before, the five or 10 grand a month. There's people who will pay you a hundred grand a month. There's people who will pay you a million dollars a month. It depends on the value that you add to that person and to their business or to their life. So that's a very key distinction. Mm -hmm. So with my middle company, the Building Interactive, we target real estate. Now, how many different types of real estate are there? There's normal houses, there's buildings, there's hotels, there's hospitals, there's resorts, there's estates, there's all the different ones. And when we realized now Prado's rule, 80% of our income was coming from 20% of our clients, which was the ones, the estates and the hotels. 
we realized that we could serve them because they were getting the, the most bang for their buck, the biggest ROI. They love us because we serve them so well. Whereas the other ones, the 80, the other 80% of clients who give us 20% of our income, they drain our time because they're always, hey, how's it going? How's my project? Hey, wanted an update? I'm like, I updated you yesterday. Give, give me another update. <laughs> they drain your life. They're not your ideal clients. Yes. And so you get rid of those people and focus on the ones who you do your best work for, who you love waking up to in the morning and doing, you know, doing great things for. It fills your passion and it helps your company as well. Because at the end of the day, the higher prices you can charge, the higher the valuation of your company. Mm. So. And not only that, but by letting that 80% go, you're also giving someone else the opportunity to serve those people who is in their ideal client. And I think that that's a piece that some people miss as well. Oh, for sure. There's, there's too many people who try and say, I'll take it all, I'll take it all. And when we talk to some other digital agencies, they go, yeah, we do websites for $500 and we do $50,000 websites. I'm like, just focus on the $50,000 guys and let somebody else do those other ones. Totally. <laughs> so, totally. So now we've talked about step two, which is, hey, who do you serve? You establish your mission, your vision. And once you have your ideal client, then how do you brand yourself so that you attract the ideal client? Very, very important because different branding attracts different types of people. In my company, we created our logo was you know, green, black, and white because the colors resonated with our ideal clients. So we service, so all the buildings that are going up, they have our systems in there. So if you picture a building, our tagline is building interactive, creating smart cities, one building at a time. Mm -hmm. People wanted to be part of the green revolution, you know, green buildings, etc., And they wanted to be part of the smart cities revolution. So, hey, these guys do create smart cities, one building at a time. I want to be that one building. Mm. So our tagline attracted those people to us, the colors and everything else. And there's a whole, you know, branding is a, is a huge behemoth of a topic. We could talk about it for hours. But essentially, your branding needs to reflect the ideal clients that want to do work with you. And it should remove the other people too. If you have a brand that looks really classy, people automatically assume that your prices are high and they go, I can't do that and they'll find a guy who's got clip art you know <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yuck, I, <laughs> I can't believe you've even used that word on this podcast the only place that clip art deserves to be is right next to, to uh comic sans font <laughs> I'm, I'm showing my age now <laughs> so now you have a brand and the brand is reflecting you the right, ideal client now you create your online presence step number four your online presence should this is where we talk about systemization your website, your lead magnets, your any, any, any presence, even offline, your brochures, your business cards, everything should reflect what you do and how you do it and people should be able to look at it and understand. Mm -hmm. Step after that is systemization. Replicate yourself, replicate your ideal, your, your top salespeople. So I talked about, you know, we all have this, we've had this technology since 2007 now. Get your top salespeople on the phone, video them, and now we have a video of our top sales guys who we can then send to our ideal clients who can watch a two-minute, three-minute, five-minute video. And they go, wow, I really connect with that. And that's when I say leveraging technology, that's leveraging technology. Once you have that video, you can send it out how many times to your ideal clients. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I think that it's something so easy we can forget about. Whenever I have time, I just jump on my messenger. So we all use Facebook Messenger and I'll record a video, I'll record a voicemail or I'll just type out a text to whoever's popping up in that top section going, hey, hope you're having a great day. Just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you and I genuinely, genuinely am. And I know mostly all of, 
all the people on my Facebook, so I'll send them a message about their business that can help them. That creates reciprocity. When you practice this all day long or every day, you quickly build up this bank of reciprocity that when you message somebody and say, hey, I need your help with this, they'll be like, hell yeah, I'll help you. Yeah, and that comes back to what you, what you mentioned before is coming from a place of service and you're not doing it because you know you're going to get something. It's not about that at all. It's about serving and and what happens is that you, you're top of mind. I know you're always top of mind for me. I've introduced you to quite a few people because you do reach out and say, hey, Sam, I just saw you pop up doing such and such. You know, so you are always top of mind to me. So when I'm having a conversation to someone doing awesome things like you, I'll say, hey, do you know Johan? You need to meet Johan, you know, and we'll do an introduction. And it's that, that top of mind that, that you've got happening all the time. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate the introductions you sent me. They're all amazing people. <laughs> well, you know, I like to surround myself with amazing people. <laughs> uh, something that came up on our group training call today with my clients, because one of them said yesterday that she was giving me an update on what she's doing. She said, I'm getting this person to do my headshot and I'm going to a dinner with this person and she's rattling off all those things. And, and I knew every single one of them and I was kind of listening and she said, and you know how I found all these people, Sam? I said, no, tell me. She went, well, I watched who you were interacting with on LinkedIn and knew that if you were interacting with them, I could trust them. And I was like, you know what? That is awesome. <laughs> There's nothing like a good referral. And that's kind of a sneaky referral, but a referral. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think it's great. Yeah. So once you've got the systems in place, yep. or there's probably more you've got to add with systems, right? Because this is a huge topic all on itself. This systems by itself. Like this is what I love. I love systemizing a business from start right to finish. Finishes when the person turns into an absolute advocate of yours. By the time a client is done with us, they are a raving fan and they will send us a minimum of about 10 referrals a year. So, and we ask for those referrals too. So when you, when you turn all your clients into raving fans, who do they tell? They tell their most trusted people. Mm. So now that's again, that's, that's systemization, systemizing a referral. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, that's that step. And we Automation, we use, we use Infusionsoft, we also known as Keep, it, to run our entire back end. It systemizes our business. It's, you know, we run a big event. And while we're sitting in the event, I'm sitting at the event, at the table with people. And my emails were going out saying, da, 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 and they're like, how did you have time to email me? I'm like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, just not in real time. <laughs> So, you know, all, all that kind. So that's systemization. The next thing that we talk about is sales. Now, you know, so many people who, who started their business, they started off as a passion and they, they're scared of money or they don't ask for money or they don't ask for enough money, right? So in sales, you can actually, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a financial planner and the financial planner, it's, they've got, they, let's say they charge between three to $5,000 to for their service. And they were saying, oh, we have, you know, about 50% take us up on our offer. I said, 50%, that's really bad, especially since you're a relationship business. Why, why is it 50%? They go, the fees are too high. I go, okay, let's outline for me the process that you go through. They go, okay, we have the meeting. After the meeting, we go back, we do research. We research the high-risk strategy, the low-risk strategy, and the middle strategy. We then take that to the board of directors who then decide which of these strategies 
which there's, there's different tiers within each strategy, which one should we present to the client? We go back, we do a scope of, um, scope of works and all this stuff, and we do another two weeks of research, then we present it to the client, and then the client has three options that they can choose from. I go, wow, so you do two weeks of work for 3000 to $5,000, you know, that's how much you bill. They go, yeah. I go, have you told your clients the process of what happens? They go, no, we just tell them that this is how much it's going to cost. I go, that's why. So they started telling people this is the process of what happens after our first meeting. We go back, we have our review, we figure out the options, we present that to our board of directors who then advise us on which ones to, for your, you know, for your situation, which one's the best one to present to you. And they're like, why is it so cheap? Yeah. That's, that's the words that were coming out of people's mouths after that because nobody had ever explained to them the process of what happens. I got that idea. There was a, a commercial back in the 1980s and they, it was a beer commercial. And they said that they drill, you know, 14,000 meters deep or something to that effect. Yep. And they get the purest water and that's what they used to make their beer. And they became the, the dominant beer in the marketplace. This is in America. So from that... Did you know that every beer factory has to do the exact same thing? But these were the guys who went and told everybody that that's how they do it. And so nobody else could go and talk about it because then they'd be like, hey, you're copying those guys. <laughs> totally. So, so it's actually all about the stories, right? Yes. Because I think that, that well, I know that stories are how we connect. Someone told me this story once that there's a certain type of smoked salmon that I don't know the story behind the salmon exactly or what brand it is, but it's like thousands of dollars, you know, just for a slice of this smoked salmon and that they serve this on private jets. But the chef actually explains to people now that, you know, we're, we're serving this salmon and, you know, this is where it comes from and the story of this person and this person and this person. But those people are buying the story and the experience so they can tell their friends when they're playing a round of golf, hey, I had this smoked salmon and here's the story. They're not focusing on the, the fact that it's ridiculously overpriced, <laughs> but they're buying into the story. Exactly. And that comes down to your messaging and copywriting, right? So if I was, and this is, you know, for the restaurant owners out there, two eggs on a piece of toast, $9. Or farm fresh, free range eggs with honey smoked ham served on sourdough that was baked at the optimum temperature for three days, blah, 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 whatever it is. Mm -hmm. People buy that and that's $25. Now, you know, and I know that we have both bought breakfast that's been $25, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's because of the description that was the story that it the paint the picture that it painted in our heads as opposed to two eggs and a piece of toast on butter yeah and that's a really great way of explaining that because if i went somewhere and it was nine bucks for some toast and eggs i wouldn't order it because <laughs> i know that it's going to come out on the woolworths white bread with probably some margarine <laughs> and a couple of eggs and it just proves that it's actually not about the money exactly so that's, you know, sales, sales, uh, while we're talking about sales, there's another thing. Uh, there's a lot of people talk about sending transaction, ATM, sending transaction models. Hey, somebody buys your $97 product, then pitch them your $197 product, then pitch them your $2,000 product, and then pitch them your $10,000 product, right? For example. However, if you flip that around, and let's bring that back to real life now. If I was buying a suit, when I was buying that suit, what's the best thing to upsell, downsell, and cross-sell to me? It is a shirt, mm -hmm. a belt, some shoes, you know, maybe a tie, maybe another vest. 
So that's upsell, downsells, and cross-sells, but you've actually increased the value of that sale price plus given the people something that they actually need at that point in time. And when they have yep. great service, they'll come back and buy anyway. So a lot of people try and do the their sending transaction model too early in the piece rather than doing the when they're ready to buy. They don't buy. They should buy everything in that ecosystem to serve them and then move them up the ATM. What's your thoughts around what you offer at what time? Because I know that there are some people that if I had been presented with their Ascension model like you're talking about, I probably would never have bought from them because I'm the kind of person that will be like, I just want the top thing. Like I don't want all that stuff underneath. Just take me there to the top. What's your thoughts around that? Like what do you offer at what time? Sure. So when we talk to clients, there's our products are designed in a certain way. There's... There's people who have more time than money. Mm-hmm. Those are the people and the people who have more time than money, they will generally buy the low-end products to test it and see and tweak it. Then there's a product in the middle, which has got a little bit more than that, and that's for the, the normal, 80% of people will buy this product, and we know mm-hmm. that they will. And that's got a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and so that's what it's got in there. And then there's the third one, which is for people who have more money than than time because they just go yep i know what you bring just give me the solution i don't care about i don't want to research it i don't want to do it i just want you to bring in your team fix up our entire company and give me the top end yeah so that's the three types of based on the people that and what their needs are that's how we sell them is that about knowing who your ideal client is correct yeah so it's going back to the very start of that model right yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you know the person and you know from their vocabulary, the way they're talking, you can identify which product that they can, that's best suited for them. And you give them that product. Because if you pitch the high-end product to the person who's got not that much money but more time, they're not going to buy it. But if you say, hey, you know, I know that you want us to systemize your entire business, Sam. And the cost of that is, let's say, $30,000. But that's the top end and that's not for everyone. However... If you want, we have a do-it-yourself program, which is you can watch us build the system and you can do it yourself, and it's $1,000. Would you be interested in that one? And if you are interested in that one, we have another one, which is actually 2000 but it includes a couple of Zoom calls and it will help you out with that. You go, cool, that sounds good. I'll do that one. Makes sense? Oh, totally makes sense. And I think that there's a, a big piece of this is really listening to the feedback that your customers and your prospects are giving you so you know what to add in there in the mix. Give, always give them what they want. So too many people try and solve. So everybody in the world has 99 problems, right? And they just want one of them solved. Once you solve one of those problems, then they'll, they'll, help you, they'll ask you for help to solve the other 98. Mm-hmm. You need to build that relationship. Once you've got your sales sorted, where where's your model go from there? Once you've got your sales sorted, your, your company is running by itself. It's fully systemized. You don't, you don't, you don't work in the company anymore. So now you, we focus on magnification. So the next one is systemization, so scaling. Mm-hmm. So if you think about McDonald's, McDonald's can hire 50 people today and mm. they blink an eye. They can mm. they have the systems. They could get 50 clients in today, and most likely they got that in the last five seconds. Yeah. Blink an eye, right? However, if a small business company, if they get 50 new clients today, they would fall over. They wouldn't be able to cater to them, depending on what size of business they are. So let's, what I'm saying is if you get a huge influx of people, either clients or staff, if you don't have all the right systems and processes in place and training, they won't be able to cater to them. So 
that's a very important step because that then allows you to be able to franchise and grow much bigger, faster, because now you can license your IP, license your systems to other people around nationally or across the globe and have them running a business that's yours and paying a license fee. So that's scaling, however you want to do it, by the way. There's a million ways to do those jobs, mm -hmm. partnerships, licensing agreements, etc. Next, we go to amplify your tribe. Amplifying your tribe is basically joint ventures, how to do joint ventures with people who have access to your ideal clients where there's a mutual win-win-win relationship. Mm -hmm. End users need to win. The middle person who has that relationship, they need to win, and you need to win by bringing them into your ecosystem. So that's amplifying your tribe. Then dominating your industry. Dominating your industry is becoming the go-to person in your industry for that for whatever your industry or niche is. And then it's building your empire. Building your empire is very, not vague, but it's very person dependent. For us, building our empire was, we were buying companies that are similar, that have our database. So we're doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. That's our empire. And as we grow, as we expand, we're acquiring more and more clients and we've got all the systems in place so we can build, grow and scale much quicker. And so that's helping us build our empire. And on that, Money, you know, when, whenever I talk about building empires, people go, how much money is enough? It's not about money, it's about impact. Can you create in this world? How many people at this point in time are giving thanks to the fact that you exist? That's what I call impact, that's what I call legacy, that's what I call an empire. That's my definition. And so if you think about, again, back to these things. You know, how the many mobile phone. <laughs> oh, Apple. Apple, Facebook, YouTube, Google, how many people give thanks that they have access to these tools every day? Billions of people. And that is then reflected in their bank account. So if you think about, this is for your audience, if you think about how many people give thanks to the fact that you exist right now, if it's just your immediate family and just you know the people around you, you need to have a bigger impact on the world. The bigger the impact on the world, the bigger your bank account. It's all relative. Totally. So while you're here on this planet, Make as much impact as you can because you have access to all the tools, all the resources and all the people. I was watching something on the weekend and they were talking about setting your financial goals and one of the, the people that was being interviewed was saying that as soon as she started really focusing on the number of people that she was serving rather than the actual dollar figure, her business completely did a, three, six, uh, a 180 within 12 months. She said she'd been setting these financial goals year after year after year and couldn't get there. But the second she went, how many people do we need to serve this year? She said, I couldn't believe it. I finally hit these financial goals that I'd been setting, but the focus was completely different. Exactly. Yeah. Super interesting. Business authorities. That, I mean, that's the model that you've just taken us through, or, or sorry, the, the business authorities formula. Yeah. Can you tell us about business authorities, what it actually is and how it came into existence? Yeah, for sure. So, as I said, this up, my middle company, it was taking up about two days of my time a week. Now it's down to one day of time. My kids are now growing up. If, for those of you who have me on Facebook, you can see that Max is now three and Aurelia's one and, you know, he's at school and all this stuff. I'm like, man, you know, I, didn't, I built my business so that I could spend time with them. And then I realized oh, I've got three days spare. So what can I do with these three days that's going to make an impact? And around the same time, I had two friends commit suicide, which was not cool. No. And that was in the space of a couple of months. 
the reason they did that was they were business owners. They saw that there was no way to to exit their business or no way out of their business where they were in tax debt, they were in you know cash flow issues, whatever it was. So they decided to take their own lives. Now, no business owner should ever have to be in that position yet. There's too many of us who are or have been. The reason is it's lonely, you know, having a business and the amount of weight that's on your shoulders is, is a lot. Mm. So I said, okay. So me and my wife, we sat down and we said, okay, you know, there's got to be, we've got so much experience between us. Surely there's got to be a formula that you can just follow and build. And then overlaying that with building, you know, the business with my business partner, I was like, oh, this company went from zero to 20 mil in four years so easily. What was, how did we do it? So we reverse engineered that. And that's pretty much how we came up with the business authorities formula. We tested that with other clients of ours and they all went hockey stick curve. Mm-hmm. And so I went, okay, now we have proof of concept. I'm, my company is a proof of concept and all these other people are proof of concept. Let's now show it to our audience. And so we had an event in February, you know, it was 150 of our clients there. They all loved it. They had transformational experiences and nobody actually teaches the way we teach. It was an event where there was no pitching. Imagine oh. that, an event. Oh. Where there's <laughs> so there was no pitching. Everybody who was on stage, now I got 10 experts to come and speak. I didn't want it to be just, you know, the Johan show. I wanted 10 people who had the cold face every day who do this for their clients to be up on stage and sharing exactly how they do it without leaving anything. You know, there's, there's nothing. You could watch the videos and follow it step by step. That's, I said, that was their brief. I go, by the time I'm finished watching your presentation, I should be able to apply it into my business. So that's what mm-hmm. we So 150 people, we had 10 speakers. We created 1,070,000 impacts, which was huge. So we did that through B1G1. I don't know if you know who Paul Dunn is. Paul Dunn, yep. Yep. So through B1G1, we we made 1,070,000 impacts through that one event. So I say that not to impress you, but to impress upon you the fact that one tiny event with 150 people can change the lives of 1 million people. Imagine if all of us, whoever's listening, if all of us ran events like that and we created all these ripple effects around the world, how many lives could we change? I love that. And I think one of the most frustrating quotes of all time that gets me a bit fired up is if I could just help one person. And I look at people and say, are you serious? You only want to help one person? Oh, no, no, no. Well, stop saying that. Stop saying I just want to help one person and start talking about those millions of people because we're here for huge things. All of us can make such an amazing impact on so many people's lives. And and I think that moving into this age that we're about to move into where AI is just, you know, getting so much you know, none of us know where it's going to go and, you know, VR and all of this, it's getting into a room and making connections and being with people, not just in a room with them, but being present and having these discussions of how can we do better? How can we help more people? That's where the opportunities are for us. And and literally we have access to that right now. You know, every time I read a book, I can pick up the book, I can pick up, you know, go to Facebook, add the author and have a conversation with them. Never has there been a time like this. You no. Masterminds, you can build, create people who think like you. And you're talking about AI. Have you ever had, how did we connect? 
I think I've told you this. So this is a really funny story that the day that you ran business authorities and I at that point didn't know who you are, my phone was binging all day with my messenger going off with people going, hey, look, I'm here with Sam and selfies of like the 100 people in the room that I knew. And what each person didn't realize is that each of them were sending me these messages. Hey, look who we're talking about here. And Joss was one of them and Joss introduced us. And then it was weird because we also got introduced by Alex Neam, who's over in the US, you know, and you're kind of like, hang on a minute, how is it that someone in the US can introduce us when you're in Melbourne and I'm in Sydney? Like the world, the world is such a small place. It really is. And now with AI, that was what we were talking about. We are all so connected because of the AI. AI knows based on your posting, your friends, my posting, my friends, it goes, hey, all these people belong together. Let's put them together. Let's, let's give them an opportunity to connect. And that's why if you see your Facebook, it'll say recommended friends, recommended friends, and it'll say these are how many mutual friends you have. It's actually recommending you based on the things that you're posting and the, the way that you talk. And AI has created 5,000 amazing friends for me. You know, And when I talk to them, I'm like, wow, you're just like me. You're here because you want to create an impact. There's not one person on there who, I'm going to say, has an employee mindset, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) And so we're connected to all these amazing people thanks to AI and thanks to the platforms and thanks to the time that we live in. So let's create something and let's do something amazing while we're here. And using that AI that's at our fingertips to take it to the next level. So not just connect on an app on our phone, but to take it to the next level and pick up the phone and have a chat. I think that's the really important part. Talking to people? Come on, Sam. That's that's like so old school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm one of those people that likes to pick up the phone and have a chat with people. (laughs) That's what I do. Whenever I'm driving, I just call people and just have a chat and find out how they are and how can I help them. And that's actually why I have such a great relationship with my clients. You know, 10 years on, they, they call me for advice on their relationships and, you know, what their Christmas presents they should buy and all these other types of things, which are not actually part of what we do for them. But because of the relationship, because I pick up the phone and call, I don't just email them and invoice them once a month. It's a relationship business. Totally. For people that want to learn more about what it is that you do, business authorities or anything else that you've talked about today, how can they best reach out to you? For sure. Come join our community. Go to Facebook and type in business authorities community and that's where you'll find us and from there you'll get access to everything else. Love it. Johan, thank you so much for taking the time, especially seeing you're getting ready to head off to Europe, taking the time today to sit down and chat with us and share your wisdom. I so appreciate you. A pleasure and thank you again. I'll talk to you soon, Sam. Thanks, Johan. Bye. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth, and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode, and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. 
And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.